0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Cher Martinetti, and this is Sci-Fi Fangirls Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. Few books have had as seismic an impact on literature and pop culture at large as Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula. Stoker, a theater manager who supplemented his income by writing lurid horror novels, spent seven years researching vampire stories and folklore before penning the title that would become his magnum opus. His inspirations were wide-reaching and eclectic, but the most commonly discussed one is of the real-life figure Vlad Sapesh of Wallachia, also known as Vlad the Impaler a Romanian ruler known for his bloodthirsty torture tactics and attacks against the Ottoman Empire. However, Stoker's own research doesn't mention Vlad much beyond scraps of miscellaneous information. Professor Elizabeth Miller, one of the leading scholars on Dracula, noted that nothing in the background or description of Stoker's count bears any true resemblance to Vlad. The comparison simply stuck because it kind of seemed like Dracula should have been based on Vlad the Impaler. In reality, some of Stoker's key inspirations for Dracula came from notable, misunderstood, and overlooked women. From the infamous countess smeared by history, to the social reformer fighting a devastating epidemic, to the traveler who documented Transylvanian folklore, Bram Stoker's Dracula owes a substantial unpaid debt to the lives and work of forgotten female pioneers. Countess Elizabeth Bathory, Charlotte Thornley Stoker, Emily Gerard. These are their stories. Few women in history have inspired fear and fascination as much as Countess Elizabeth Bathory. A Hungarian noblewoman descended from one of the region's most powerful families. Today, she's perhaps best recognized as the most prolific female murderer of all time, as decreed by Guinness World Book of Records. Reports differ on exactly how many victims she's alleged to have killed, but the highest number cited during her trial was 650. Folk tales described her as a sadistic creature who bathed in the blood of her virginal victims to preserve her youth. Separating fact from fiction, however, has proven difficult thanks to centuries of myth-making and endless series of unreliable sources. It's not hard to see why such a figure, fictional or otherwise, would fascinate someone like Stoker. But the truth about Bathory is just as fascinating as any of the thrilling tales she inspired. Before we tackle the rumors, let's first look at the facts. We know that Elizabeth Bathory was born around 1560 or 1561 and spent her childhood at Ixt Castle in eastern Hungary. She was seriously ill as a child, suffering from epileptic seizures that were kept hidden from the public. She became engaged at the age of 10 to Ferenc Nadasdy, a Hungarian nobleman, in what was most likely a political arrangement. And the pair married when she was 15. While he was away from home, commanding Hungarian troops in various conflicts with the Ottoman Empire, Bathory worked to defend her husband's estates. Around the time her husband died in 1604, rumors had begun to spread that Bathory had committed all manner of atrocities. After a Lutheran minister named Istvan Magyari made complaints against her, both publicly and at the court in Vienna, Hungarian authorities eventually assigned two notaries to collect evidence of her crimes in 1610. They compiled testimonies from over 300 alleged witnesses, including several of Bathory's adolescent servant girls. The accusations were shocking. One report from 1611 recorded the answer of 224 witnesses, quote, whether the magnanimous and noble Lady Elizabeth Bathory, as with animal savagery directed and driven by devilish sense, cruelly killed numerous innocent virgins nobles as well as lower class maids alike without the slightest blame upon them. Their bodies mutilated and burned with hot iron pieces of flesh torn from them, roasted in the fire and given to them to eat, End quote. According to the Budapest City Archives, some girls who were reportedly as young as 10 were burned with hot tongs and dumped in icy cold water, while others were covered in honey and fed to live ants. Two court officials claimed they had personally witnessed Bathory torturing and killing these young girls. Eventually, Bathory and four of her servants were arrested. Because of her public standing and the fear of scandal, it was agreed that she should be kept under house arrest rather than face trial. Despite her accused crimes, she was still Hungarian nobility, and it was decided that to convict her in a public court would have way too negative an impact on the region's upper classes. Countess Bathory died during her house arrest in 1614. The location of her body, till this day, is unknown. The story of the bloody Countess did not take off in the public imagination until over a century after her death. The Jesuit scholar Laszlo Tudosi wrote the first account of the Bathory case in the 1700s, which is the primary source for most of the more scandalous rumors. His manuscript was the first to include the bathing in blood for youth story that became Bathory's defining legend. There was no source or report of this claim during Bathory's lifetime. In 1904, the writer R.A. von Ellsberg published a biography of Bathory that became widely accepted as the definitive book on her life. Von Ellsberg repeated Brother Laszlo's speculation and built his own case on the Countess almost exclusively with the unconfirmed stories of the area's folklore and peasant tales. In 1962, the surrealist poet Valentine Penrose wrote her own Bathory biography that built on von Ellsberg's rumors and further fanned the flames of fiction by claiming, once again without proof, that Bathory had an incestuous relationship with her Aunt Clara. Even during her lifetime, a huge chunk of the accusations made against Bathory were either given under torture or came secondhand from someone who says they knew somebody that definitely saw the countess kill someone. The more shocking the accusation, the more damaging it would have been to Bathory and her legacy. To this day, it's much easier to find details of the disturbing rumors rather than anything verifiably true about the countess and her alleged crimes. Arguments over how these rumors came to be are almost as plentiful as the shocking stories themselves. It's believed by scholars that Brother Laszlo added the spicy details over bathing in virginal blood as a way to drum up some anti-Protestant sentiment in favor of Catholicism, the faith of the Habsburg court. Some believe that Bathory was the victim of a sexist conspiracy, wherein the authorities targeted her to get their hands on her wealth and lands because her status as a powerful widow of a political power player made her a great risk to the Habsburg Empire. Others, however, claim that this isn't true because early modern Hungary didn't see wealthy widows like Bathory as a threat. And by the time of her arrest, she possessed only a fraction of the power and wealth she had held during her husband's lifetime. The most likely reasoning for Bathory's alleged actions is far less salacious. They're more than likely the result of sadism, privilege, and mental illness, which ran in her family thanks to inbreeding. Still, the legend lives on for a reason. The reemergence of the Bathory story in the early 18th century, complete with its horrific speculation, coincided with the great vampire panic that spread across Europe and saw a rise in interest for gory horror tales and the origins of modern vampire fiction. While some Bathory scholars dispute any connections with Bram Stoker, the Countess's legend bears a far stronger resemblance to Dracula than anything in Vlad the Impaler's lore. One of Stoker's other key inspirations from Dracula came from a source very close to home, his own mother. Charlotte Thornley Stoker was born in 1818 and moved to Sligo, Ireland as a child. In the early 19th century, Sligo was hit hard by two devastating issues. The Great Famines of 1847 and 51, which completely changed the face of Ireland, and a cholera outbreak in 1832. It was the latter that proved most impactful to the Stoker clan. During the 1800s, cholera spread far across Europe via multiple pandemics, causing millions of deaths. The outbreak reached Sligo in 1832, following outbreaks in Great Britain the year before. Charlotte Thornley, a driven social reformer who went on to advocate for improved labor rights for women and medical services for the deaf and mute, was 14 when cholera arrived in Sligo. She survived, fleeing to Ballyshannon with her family, and later moved to Dublin with her husband, Abraham Stoker. Charlotte would share with her children and loved ones the tales of the horrific sights she witnessed during the cholera pandemic of Sligo. Bram, who suffered from a mysterious illness as a child that left him briefly infirm, asked his mother to write down her experiences. She described how, quote, men's senses began failing them for fear and deeds were done in selfish dread, enough to call down God's direct vengeance on us. In one terrible moment, she describes the grisly fate of one unfortunate visitor to Sligo. Quote, One I vividly remember, a poor traveler was taken ill on the roadside, some miles from the town. And how did these Samaritans tend to him? They dug a pit and with long poles pushed him living into it and covered him up alive. But God's hand is not to be thus stayed, and severely like Sodom did our city pay for such crimes. It was this document of his mother's experiences, and particularly her descriptions of how cholera made its victim's skin take on a deathly blue color, that proved the most inspiring for his own tale of an infectious force that moves across Europe and terrifies the masses. Before writing Dracula, Stoker spent seven years researching European folklore and stories of vampires. One essay in particular proved highly influential on the final product. 1885's Transylvania Superstitions was written by Emily Gerard. Descended from a wealthy family, Gerard studied European languages at the Covent of the Sacre Cue at Riedenberg in Austria before becoming a major fixture in the British literary scene of the late 1800s. She frequently collaborated with her own sister Dorothea on novels and wrote reviews for the Times. <laughs> she was even friends with Mark Twain. Having married a Polish soldier, her work focused heavily on the lives and customs of Eastern Europe. She turned to travel writing and was celebrated by the Utahn publication Woman's Exponent as, quote, a clever writer and author of several entertaining novels who must be rather cosmopolitan in her tastes. While her husband was stationed in Romania for two years, Gerard became familiar with Transylvanian folklore, which inspired her to write a book called The Land Beyond the Forest. It's in this book that many English language readers were first introduced to the term Nosferatu. As Gerard described... Quote, more decidedly evil is the Nosferatu, or vampire, in which every Romanian peasant believes as firmly as he does in heaven or hell. There are two sorts of vampires, living and dead. The living vampire is generally the illegitimate offspring of two illegitimate persons. But even a flawless pedigree will not ensure anyone against the intrusion of a vampire into their family vault. Since every person killed by Nosferatu becomes likewise, a vampire after death, and will continue to suck the blood of other innocent persons till the spirit has been exercised by opening the grave of the suspected person and either driving a stake through the corpse or else firing a pistol shot into the coffin. It's believed that Stoker discovered Gerard's work while researching Dracula in the London Library, where her books were kept. To this day, various books that he used for research include his own notes written in the margins. He also owned his own copy of The Land Before the Forest, borrowing heavily from Gerard's work to describe the superstitions of the Transylvanian townsfolk in his novel. The very origins of his vampire, the most iconic in pop culture, sorry Twilight fans, have their roots in the pioneering work of Emily Gerard. Bram Stoker's Dracula remains one of the most celebrated and influential novels ever written. The entire history of vampire fiction owes an immeasurable debt to the book, as does a lot of pop culture in general. Yet, even the greatest tales have their own inspirations. And we can't truly understand our own stories or history without acknowledging the Forgotten influences. Forgotten Women the Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Kaylee Donaldson and read by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at sci fifangirlscom Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at sci-fi fangirls.